I want to really, I'm kicking off a new series today. God put it on my heart, and, and it's to prepare you and myself as well for the marked moments, the, the divine encounters that God has for you and I to participate in. The divine encounters and marked moments that before time began, he designed you for. He created you for such a time as this. He created you to bring glory to his name. He created you also to be sons and daughters, to be children, to be family, not to be servants, not to be slaves. And I'll cover that today, but to be sons and daughters. What an honor it is to be a child of God. Is anybody excited you're a child of God today? So the series I'm kicking off today is called Supernatural Lifestyle. Supernatural Lifestyle. And God has an assignment for every person on this planet, whether they come to him as Lord and Savior or not. If we deny him and we die, we go to hell. The Bible says to be absent from the bodies and be present with the Lord. So the question is, who's your Lord? The God of this earth or the God of heaven and everything? So you can fix it. We can help you fix it today if you're not born again online or here. We'd love to do that because we love preaching and seeing people delivered and set free and especially born again because that's the greatest miracle of all. Salvation is to, we see blind eyes open here, bones go back into place and we see it at this altar every year multiple times. But still the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Do you believe that this morning? And as we go into this, I got a couple scriptures. Mark hit one of them. Didn't even realize I'd be hitting this today that really are the hallmark of what I want to talk about over the coming weeks. Ooh, that just changed everything. I don't know what happened there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And today, what I want you to know, what I want you to walk away with is this, that you begin to discover your true identity in Christ more than you ever have before. Discovering your true identity in Christ more than you ever have before. Let me read Mark 12, <clears throat> verses 30. I want to turn the AC on up, off up in this area. <clears throat> Mark, 30, Mark 12, verses 30 and 31 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. This is what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. It is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What? No commandment greater than loving your Lord, your God, your Savior with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, everything that you consist of, and to love your neighbor, to prefer your neighbor over yourself. Think about that. Man, that's, some of you may not even talk to your neighbors. Amen, and God said you're to love them and prefer them over yourselves because God wants us to have a heart like his. You know, Jesus said in John 14, you'll not only do the works I have done, but what? Greater Greater works than these shall you do. And as we begin to understand that, we have to also realize that there is great responsibility to that. And I don't want to get to heaven and God says, well, you did 10% of what I created you to do. I'll let you in. But really, you could have done a lot more. I want to just go all out, God, and I know I'm still not doing everything he wants me to do, or, you know, I'm like you. We're all seeking and searching, trying to do our best, but I don't want to disappoint God, especially when I meet him face to face. How about you? Is that where you're at today? Then the second scripture, which really became a hallmark scripture at our 20th anniversary, I think we're 
2023 now, so it's 23 years, verses 20. Um, so here's the scripture, and Mark mentioned it. Acts 10, verse 38. says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and power. That power is dunamis power, power like a dynamo to explode, to break, and to also build up. And who went about, say, doing good. Everybody say, doing good. And healing all. Say, healing all. Healing all. Say, not some. All. Not a few. All. Say this, all is all. all. Amen. Who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Anybody believe God was with Jesus, the Son of God? Yeah. So, what I want you to understand is that we are also anointed through Jesus, but like Jesus. Everybody say, like Jesus. So the sons and daughters of God, which are born-again believers, we are God's ambassadors on this earth. In other words, we represent God. We're really like, whenever Jesus was on the earth, we got to see God wrapped in flesh and ministering and delivering people and saving people and healing people and all these beautiful things. <clears throat> and as we saw that, now he's passed that on to us and we're born of his same DNA because we are what? Born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, what? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and what? All things have become new. How much is all again? All is all, isn't it? And I think sometimes we just read the word and we just gloss over it without really having revelation that God reveals it. And when you have a revelation of something, it's knitted to you. Your soul is knitted with it. When it's revealed to you and, and, and you understand it like you've never understood it before, it, it, it's so precious. And God wants you and I to walk out in these final days with power but also with his precious understanding to understand who he is and what he's about and to understand who we are and what we're here for on this planet. So as we discover today, uh, even more so our identity in Christ, what's going to happen is this will build, if you want to change anything in your life, I mean physically, financially, in relationships, career, ministry, just start studying your, your identity in Christ. <clears throat> start just studying out and pick scriptures out <clears throat> and read about what God has said about you and his DNA in you and his plans for you and his purpose for you. And all of a sudden, you will rise above anxiety and fear and depression and infirmities and sickness and poverty. You'll rise above as you obey God with the revelation you get knowing more and more about who you are in him. Can anybody say amen this morning? <clears throat> so as we realize this, Jesus knew his identity. Does anybody believe that? The Bible tells us in Matthew 3, verse 17, God said this, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God is well pleased with his son. Jesus ministered what? Not from a position of a servant, 
not from a position of a slave, but he ministered from, and not even a position of a friend. He ministered from the position of the son of the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He walked on this earth as a son. He talked as a son. He, he prayed for people as a son. He loved people as the son of God. He forgave people as the son of God. In other words, he expressed his authority of sonship so that in Acts chapter 1, the first couple of verses said that we're going to read about what everything that Jesus did and we're supposed to do, basically, if you summarized it. And that's what the book of Acts is about. It's all about what the actions of Jesus, what he said and what he did, what he taught and what he did. You and I are here just to mimic him, what he taught and what he did. Realize that even though when we pray for someone under the anointing of God and we heal them, it's God in us released to heal them. He didn't say every time you pray for somebody, in Jesus' name be healed. The Bible says through the Great Commission, whoever you lay hands on is going to be healed. Speak the word, be healed, be whole. Why? Because in your DNA, in your spirit man is God's man. In your, in your nature is God's nature. In, in your position in the earth, God is in your position. And when you begin to speak, and you begin, just like when Peter went out to meet Jesus in the midst of the storm, he was fine when he was looking in the eyes of Jesus. But when he heard the naysayers and the wind started blowing, he looked down. What did he do? He took his eyes off of his own dominion. Because when you look at Jesus, king of all kings and lord of all lords, and the Bible says every name that is named shall bow its knee to that name, Jesus Christ, son of God, lord of lords. And whenever he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to no longer see his identity in Jesus. You ever had those friends, you know, that when you were with just them, you, you feel like you could just take on anything, right? And your buddies, your friends, it may be a family member. It's like you may not be comfortable in a situation. They show up, all of a sudden confidence comes. Well, just think about the confidence that we should have knowing that Holy Spirit lives inside of us, that he was commissioned by God the Father, and, and, and the way was made for him by the Son, Jesus our Lord and Savior, that we are saved by grace, what? Through faith. What? We're saved by Jesus through faith. And as we operate in the language of God, we receive the fundamentals of God expressed in our life and to those around us. You have some denominations call themselves fundamental this, fundamental that. They should be fundamental Jesus, just like we should be. And there's times we miss it, and we got to get on. Yeah, fundamentals means the basics. You know, you go into Hebrews and say, well, we need to get back to the basics. Healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. Come on. It's time to get off. Said the apostle Peter says, it's time to get off the milk, people. Or Paul says, it's time to get off the milk. It's time to stop nursing from your mommy and raise the dead and heal the sick. And oh, by the way, that's just the foundation. It actually says we should move beyond the foundation. But see, that's how God sees us versus how we see ourselves. I am a firm believer in praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude says, when you pray in the Holy Spirit with your other tongues, it edifies you. It builds you up. I'm all about that. I'm all about praying and fasting. I'm all about doing all those things. 
And that begins to reveal who I am in Christ. But the greatest thing that will show me who I am in Christ is when I release Christ or I release Holy Spirit and see transformation come in someone's life and I knew it wasn't me. It had to be God in me working through me. If you want to see yourself the way Jesus sees you, begin to do and say what Jesus did and said and when you see the manifestation of it, you'll have a greater revelation of your DNA and your identity in Christ than you could ever with anybody teaching you for a decade. Oh, hallelujah. Hmm. Jesus knew who he was. Just like he said who you and I are. He said what we are, what sons and daughters. We've been engrafted in to the kingdom. We're ambassadors. We represent the kingdom. As we begin to understand our new identity through Jesus, and I just talked to you about 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says if there's anyone... Is there anyone in here? Anyone, right? Not people that are pseudo-spiritual or been in church a thousand years. No, anyone. Say anyone. Say that qualifies me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are gone. All things are new or has come. So in other words, nothing of the old is left. It's passed away. Now, I'm not saying it's not something you deal with in your mind because we still see ourselves in past mistakes and sins. We still see ourselves in shortcomings or what we fear or what we worry about. That's why I said if you would begin to study out your identity in Christ, all of a sudden what Christ said about you will be much larger than what your mind is telling you about you. That's why offense, to be offended, is more dangerous for you than the person you're offended at. Why? Because offense does what? It puts a fence around you. It, it, it blocks your revelation and your understanding of God. It, it, it wears your passion for God down, and it takes the appetite for God away from you. And all of a sudden, you're so inward focused on how hurt and how, how treacherous it was, whatever someone did to you, ever how bad it is, whatever, and you're so wrapped, you see that pain more than you see the gain of Jesus being your Lord and Savior. And as you turn your attention away from your past, your now, or even what you fear for your future, and just begin to focus on the word of God and what he has already said about you and the revelation you get, before long, within a week, you'll be a different person. Within a month, you'll be a different person. And every day after that, you'll just begin to multiply and grow. It's not just growing closer to, when you grow closer to Christ, shouldn't you see him more clearly? You know, right now, I'm like you. I mean, I don't wear contacts or anything. You'll see me with glasses every night because I got to help me read some, you know, real small stuff. So, but, but you know what? When I, what's the glasses do? They just bring a reflection and a mirror to bring what I'm looking at closer to my eyes. Your eyes work by reflection. Your eyes don't even see. Your brain is the one that sees. It, your brain gathers the information and tells you what it looks like and you see it. Anyway. So as we begin to understand that our identity is in Christ and it's time to move away, away from the old me. It's time to move away from my old thinking. I call it stinking thinking because it's dead thinking and death stinks any animal, anything. When it's dead for a while, it stinks, right? 
and it's it, it, it's stinking thinking. It's thinking that magnifies death. And if it magnifies death and puts its attention on death, what is that? Shortcomings, fail, failures, what someone said or didn't say, what someone did or didn't do. In other words, we're, we're, we're focused on that versus focused on what God said about us and what he already paid the price for us to be, right? Now that stench gets greater and greater and it clouds your understanding of even having a passion to seek God about matters. Ephesians 4 says this, verse, beginning in verse 20, it says, but you have not learned Christ. He says, but, so, but you have not so learned Christ. Verse 20, verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct of the old man. You know, Paul's telling these people, you, you know, you still are carrying around the old you. You, you like certain parts of the old you, and you're trying to keep that, and then you're trying to, well, I'll keep a little of that, I'll get a little of Jesus and a little of that, and, and, and trying to, you're trying to create something that you don't have the authority to create. It either is or it isn't. It is or it ain't. It's a yes or a no. It's all or nothing. That's the way God operates. And as we begin to understand that, and all of a sudden we get caught up in our former conduct, what does it do? That former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. Things that we lust. It doesn't have to be like lusting for pornography or robbing a bank. or No, it, it could just be lusting for attention. It, it could just be lusting putting yourself before your spouse. It could just be lusting of wanting a position or a title no matter what it takes to get it. So, so lust is, can be a various, lust can be anything you put between you and God. Wow. Anything that shadows or blocks your vision of God, that's lust. Any toy or thing or finances or whatever. See, the Bible says being rich is not a problem. It's the love of the money that's a problem. And you can be wealthy and not love money and be okay. The Bible says in one place you, you can be rich with no sorrow. But he also, Jesus told the young ruler, if you'll give up all your wealth, he said, you can come follow me. And the young ruler just couldn't do that. And then he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It didn't say a camel can't, but it's very difficult. What's the eye of a needle? That's a little hole when you come into the temple. And the, the one that they believe Jesus was buried in under that, and they built a temple over it in Bethlehem. It's not Bethlehem, but another place. But in Bethlehem, where he was originally, yeah, born the manger, that it has the what's called the eye of a needle, and it's almost like a little cave entrance into this big temple. The reason they did that was so people on camels couldn't come in and raid and just run in and rob all the gold and all the things in the temple. Wow. For a camel to get in, it had to get down and spread its legs and crawl, and it still had to be small enough to even get through the eye of the needle. He didn't say you you. You, you lust for money and you can't get to heaven. But he says it's really, really hard. But he says if you don't lust for money and you're hungry for the things of God and you operate in God, he can make you rich with no sorrow. You can have money. It's not the problem. It's the lust of money. Everybody say the lust of it. It's the same thing. If you're lusting after your spouse, you love them so much, but you ignore God, that's lust. You've heard me tell the story before about Pastor Steph. We were dating. We've been dating over a year, and we knew we were in love and we were going to be married, and I dropped her off at her place, and I'm driving home on a summer night, and Holy Spirit just came in my little truck in Columbus, Ohio. We were still college students. We were working in church and ministry, and said, God said, can you give her to me? And I ignored it. <laughs> mm, summer night. 
all of a sudden, can you give her to me? And then I start crying. I'm thinking, come on, God. If I say I give her to you, then that might mean you have another plan. And it took me a few seconds and finally said, no, God, I, I give her to you. And I'm bawling in my truck. Somebody would have thought someone passed away. And I'm crying in my truck. He said, that's good. That's all I need to know. You can have her. <laughs> what was he saying? You can't put her before me. Right. You can't put your children before God. But if you'll put God, God said, if you'll put me first, son, I'll bless that marriage. You put me first, I'll bless your seed and your children. And what I want you to understand is it's not that we love our spouse less. We don't have the ability to love our spouse the way we need to love them without putting God first. Oh, ouch, oh, me, good, hallelujah, praise God. Everybody say, my identity in Christ is the key to my supernatural lifestyle. You know, part of the vision this year is walking in what? An uncommon anointing. That means it's not ordinary. If you're not operating in, if you're operating in things that's ordinary, you've not stepped into the next level yet. This is your year for supernatural promotion, what? And, and to walk in your, and to have divine uh, moments with God and, and, and to, to have what? Promotions, supernatural promotion. But, but it's also that time for an uncommon anointing which brings all those things into place. Oh, I got to jump to next week. I, I, I just got to go down here and give you a little nugget. I got to give you a little nugget. Hmm. I just got 11 pages of notes, so it won't be long today. Okay. First of all, I want you to realize when you begin to understand who you are in Christ, let me, let me jump on over here to this then. You and I are part of what? A royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2, 9, you hear me quote it all the time, says you're a chosen people, right? You're a peculiar people. You're a royal priesthood. You're what? Chosen by God. What? As a holy nation to show forth the praises of who? The Lamb of God. And then when we begin to understand that we are royalty, we're prince and princesses. That's what we are. We're made in the image of the prince of Everything, Jesus, the King of King and Lord of Lords, who's operating under the authority of his heavenly Father, released by Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4 says this, verse 16 and Amplified, it says that we can come fiercely, confidently, and boldly before God's royal throne of grace. In other words, God's saying, you can come into my throne room boldly. Well, what do you go to his throne room for? When everything's great? Everything's perfect? Oh, I'm just ready to meet God today. No, we go in there when we've sinned, we've blown it, we've messed up, someone in our family's sick or ill. or It's always a crisis usually when we're coming in. We need to come and worship him and praise him more. But when we're really focused on the throne room, it's when we know that we can't fix it on our own and we don't have any other choice. And then we come in timid, we come in looking at our old ways and our old life and we think it disqualifies us. That's why I was reading to you earlier, let go of the old man, let go of the old life, let go all the old ways. Don't mix and mingle it together. Let it go. And as you let it go, go into the throne room of God and his grace is sufficient for whatever needs you have. Why is that? Because as a born again believer, a blood bought child of God, you qualify. You're out here trying to pass tests and you already passed. 
If I sit here and tell one of my kids that they, ten, they sin 10 times and I'll tell them nine times they sin and then one time I'll tell them something good, they're going to sin 20 more times. But if I'll tell them how much I love them and, you know, give some correction, but start focusing on the good things in their life and they know what I stand for, then they might sin one times out of 10. What is it? it, it it's what your attention's on. It's what your focus is on. You know, that saying years ago, what would Jesus do? I mean, it's so true. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What facial expressions would he have, right? Amen. Um, so you and I walk in what? A royal authority. Everybody say royal. The word royal in the Greek is basileos. It means kingly in nature. A nature, the nature of a king. You can't be a king unless you have a domain that you rule over. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why it says that you have dominion. What's that mean? The root word is domain. You have authority over your domain. You have authority over your body. You have authority over your household. You have authority over your workplace. You have authority over your neighborhood. You have authority over your city. The nature of a king don't look, come in and say, well, I'll take some scraps off the table. The nature of a king comes in to take over. What do you think God, God said in, in Genesis 1 when he said, we cre I created man in my own image in our Father, Son, Holy Ghost image. Have we created them, both male and female? What? So that they can go forth and take over so that they can be in charge of the fish, the sea, the fowl, the air, everything that creeps on the earth. Go forth and take dominion of the earth. God created you as a king, as a queen. God created you royalty. Here you are. Oh, Lord. I better, I better pray up before church. Oh, you're just trying to get condemnation off of yourself. You've condemned yourself so much, you just feel like a whip pup. You're a king. You're a queen. You're a basilios. You're a royalty in nature. God's placed you in a place to have dominion. We're to be doing kingdom business. What's that mean? Taking things over for the kingdom of God. Greater is he who's in you. Who do you think's in you? Buffy the vampire girl or somebody? I don't even know who that is. That's, a, that's like a 30-year-old show, isn't it? That got you out of the spirit, didn't it? I'm not nervous, hallelujah. Not my first day out. Who, whose image do you see? Whose image do you see when you're facing, you know, layoff? Whose image do you see when you got that diagnosis? No hope, no way, you're done. Whose image do you see? Do you see the image of a king or a queen that has dominion over sickness and disease? By his stripes you were healed. Oh, I could, I, I could be broken, lose my house. No, that's good. That means you're going to get seven times better than the house you lose because God said Satan had to give it back to you seven times greater than what he stole from you. Now, now, let me help you. Let me help you. You, you, you may not clap on this. Maybe you lost your house, your car, your cat, your dog. I don't know, and even your country song. I don't know. You may have lost it all. But, but here's the thing. The key is, did Satan take it or did you lose it? This is not a kingdom of lost and found, sweetheart, because you don't give enough attention to take care of what you need to take care of.
It is a kingdom to take back, to take over, and to be in dominion. If Satan takes it, you're going to get seven times greater if you'll stand in and think, if you were just dumb, then you just need to pray for grace. <laughs> and he is sufficient for that. Isn't it great? Even when we lose it, Lenny, we can come to the throne room of grace with boldness and God will give us a way to get it back. Even when Satan takes it and steals it and robs it, we have authority. We don't even have to go to the throne room. Just say what Jesus said. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I need my organist up here. Where you at, son? Where you at, TJ? CJ? T and J, Travis and J. Like peanut butter and jelly, P and J, right? Who do you see? Whose reflection do you see? Whose image, imagio, when God said we created them, both male and female, in our own image and likeness, that word imagio means like a carbon copy, a, a reflection, a picture. It's an image, the image of God. In other words, he wants you and I to walk in dominion in his image, in his likeness. Hmm. See, that's the difference between what Moses and the children of Israel. The reason he had to lead them all the time, why? They knew God, Moses knew God. But Moses knew what? The ways of God. Because he was intimate with God. And you could be a blood-bought Christian and barely get to heaven and almost whatever. Or you can take over, take charge, and leave a name for God through your own life, but you got to make a decision. Who do you see? We're talking about your identity here. We're talking, and I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, you don't need to be yapping about what's happened to me or what's happened to my cousin or my brother. You need to be taking charge. You need to be taking over. You need, Dr. Lester Sumrall, one of my grandfathers in the faith, and, and that's the reason the, the, the beautiful Nigerian people that were under their covering loved me so much. He was like one of their favorite all time, Dr. Sumrall, because they, they knew what he did in, in third world countries. And one time he was sleeping, I think it was in Budapest, and the curtains were blowing. It's hot, this little hut. And all of a sudden, that old wooden floor, Satan came in, the devil come in, the curtains blowing. And all of a sudden, his bed starts shaking. And moves all the way to the other side of the room to the point it hit the wall. Boom! He said, I just raised up. I command you, Satan, leave this hut now! All of a sudden, curtains go down, the wind stops, it goes out. And he said, God gave me a thought and a revelation. I said, wait a minute, get yourself back in here. <laughs> now, I said, all of a sudden the wind blows, the curtains are standing up, comes back over. My bed was over here before you came in my hut. I expected to be back where it was. This is a true story. Stop. Curtains went down, and he went back to sleep. But that's why he was an apostle of God and so many of us aren't. We got to understand the authority. He learned the authority of God because all he focused on was God. All he thought about was God. And it made him a great husband and a great father and a great grandfather, a great apostle, a great missionary, a great pastor, a great author. A great, he raised up a Christian universe. He done more in his 80s than most of us ever do in 80 plus years because he knew his identity. One of his books changed my life forever. One of the first books we read in Bible college, and it was The Authority of the Believer. And also, Kenneth Hagin has this, a similar title. They both say the same thing. 
And, and what it is, it's teaching you that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. 1 John 5 says what? Says that, says that, Paul said, I pray that your whole, W-H-O-L-E, body, soul, and spirit be found blameless in that day. A lot of people mix them together. No, that's not what you can have that revelation, but you'll stay sick a lot and broke a lot. But let me help you with it so you're not. I'm a spirit. Why? Because my daddy's a spirit. God is spirit. When I'm born again, the, the, the dead man that was in me, there's the man that's alive has to die. So the new man, the new imago can come alive. The spirit of God is awakened in me. That's why greater is he who is in me than he who's in this world. It's my spirit that God created and Holy Spirit with me and there ain't nothing the devil can do to stop me. And here's what I want you to understand. I am a spirit. Say I'm a spirit. I have a soul. You know what your soul is? Well, it's my heart, it's this, it's, the, it's, it's my favorite music, whatever, I don't know. What You know what your soul is? I, I love soul too, but anyway, you know what soul is? It's more than soul food, and I'm a hillbilly, you know I love soul food. <laughs> Give me some dumplings and fried chicken and some fried lettuce. And they, don't even know what, they don't even know what killed lettuce is. They don't even know what killed lettuce is. First time little Stephanie come home with me, my mama cooked a big dinner. <laughs> soup beans, we call them. Y'all call them pinto beans, I guess. Soup beans, cornbread. Stewed potatoes, all that stuff. Then she'd always throw a meat. She'd have two or three proteins. Fried chicken, I think it was. Then there's this big old pan with just mustard greens in the pan. And Stephanie said, honey, why is your mom just got that big old thing of greens sitting over there on that kit on our table? What are we supposed to do with that? That doesn't look like a salad. I said, just wait a minute, because I saw mama over there, that bacon. She poured her, take her black skillet, you know, reach up above the stove and get her a big old thing of lard from breakfast as she's cooked and flop it on there. Four or five minutes, she comes over and she says, what's she going to do, mama? Whoosh! Right on that lettuce, man. And it like, boom, you know it all, man. It ain't nothing like that. And so, Sam's like, oh my God. I said, just try a taste. I don't know. I said, if you don't in 10 minutes, you won't. Because I was getting ready to say, all you see is like white lard there. But you got to eat it quick. She actually ate it and thought it was okay. Now, she loves all the other stuff, pinto beans and dumplings. But that was the funniest thing to look on her face whenever mom did that. It was like, Shh. So I like soul food. Now Stephanie does. Well, I just got us totally out of the spirit. So your, your spirit, your spirit is your intuition of God. Your communion, your relationship, your covenant with God, and your consciousness of God. Your spirit is tripart. It is your communion, your conscious, and your, your uh, what did I say the other ones? Communion, conscious. Intuition. Huh? Intuition. Intuition. In other words, that's being led. That's, right. So anyway, that's, that's what spirit actually, the easiest way to identify. Your soul is what? Your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul is your decision-making resource. Your body is what? Flesh, blood, and bones. Three, just like Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Hmm. What time is it? Oh. Hallelujah. They don't believe that when people on the front row say it. I hear somebody way back there say it. It's okay. Yay, yay. 
Oh, hallelujah. Pray for me, Jesus. Okay. So, so you, you got to walk in your duties. Now, 1 Peter 2, 9 says what? You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a peculiar people to show forth the praise of the Lamb of God. So what do he say? You're a priesthood. Say, I'm in the priest. I'm a priest. I'm a priesthood, right? So when you're a child of God, you're a chosen people, you've been selected by God, a royal, a kingly priesthood. In other words, what's a priest do? A priest mediates between man and God. It's not right, you know that. But anyway, we won't insult people. No, we got Jesus as our mediator. He's the high priest, right? And he's mediating for us. But he set you and I as kings and queens and priests on this planet so we could mediate between the sick, the dying, and the lost and God and bring them to him. Well, that's a lot better than you said. I'm done. This is good stuff. A priest does what? God calls us to be his voice, his hands, his feet to his church and to the world. He calls you and I to be a go-between. That, that's why going out on Sunday and all of us going out and ministering, it, it, it gets in our nature, it gets in our DNA. Some of you probably never did any outreach in your life and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to church, I, I can't miss church and now I gotta pick one of those ministries I gotta do because I can't miss church. And, and then you're doing, I love it, can we do this every week? Why? Because God anointed you to be a go-between. God anointed you to make a difference. God anointed you to pray for the sick and the lost. God anointed you to do good. Do good to your neighbor. Do good to whoever. Anyone he puts in front of you. And when you bless them and you see transformation, you see your image in the image of God as his child, his king, his queen, and his priest. You know it's true. I said, you know it's true. Mm. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says what? We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That's what the scripture says. Read it. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And what did Jesus say when they asked him how to pray? Pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There ain't no sick people, broke people, crazy people in heaven. Plenty of that on earth and even in churches. But God, I said, but God. But God said your image, his image in you and his likeness in you and his DNA. Well, you, how you get saved? Well, I'm saved by grace through faith. Yeah, grace, Romans 5 tells you Jesus is grace. I'm saved, he's the free unmarried gift. I'm saved by grace through faith. Oh, that's, that, that's good. And then, then what happened? Well, his blood atones me. Well, you're blood bought. I'm blood bought. I'm a saint of God. I'm blood bought. I wish you believed it. Now, don't get too mad at me yet. I wish you were, believed you were blood bought. Because if you're blood bought, that means his blood runs through you, royal blood, healing blood, blessing blood, deliverance. You say, well, I don't know the blood. They check my blood. See, that's why you don't have the revelation. It's his spirit, his word, his grace, his authority. So now when you hear me say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world, you realize it's loaded in me of years of studying who I am in him and who he is in me. Hmm. Hallelujah. 
So Jesus is teaching us how to pray, right? Now, let me help you with this. Now, this will get some of them mad. It'll get some of them. You ain't no sinner saved by grace. Because if you a sinner, you ain't saved. You can't be a sinner saved by grace. Now, you can be a child of God that sins occasionally, but you can't be a sinner. How are you going to be a sinner and a king and a queen? How are you going to be? No, you are a child of God, and you're not perfect, and God's grace is sufficient. That's like saying, I got mud on my truck, so I'm a muddy truck. My dog barks loud, so I'm a loud barking dog. It's the same stuff. Stop it. Just stop it. Even if you don't understand it, just do yourself a favor and stop it. Even if you're mad at me, just stop it. Somebody say, just stop it. There, you know, there's been times, Tria, when I didn't have a revelation, but there was a man or woman of God I trust. They showed me a scripture and they give me a revelation. And if I didn't understand it, I wasn't going to say a word about it. I, I was at least that smart. To say, I am not going to put down what God's word says and what a man and woman of God says. Now search it out for yourself. And you just got to, sometimes you don't understand it and you get a little pensive, I mean offensive. A little tense. It's not what the black book said in my denomination. That's a little black book with scriptures in it. You need to get all the scriptures and understanding. <laughs> oh, I could dig in there a while, but I'm going to be good. Let me, I have to help you with that, I guess. So live, to live in our true identity, we are not a sinner saved by grace. That's just a statement of religion. That's just making excuses for our sin. You notice the people that say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace is usually the one that's sinning a whole lot more than anybody else. Again, 1 Peter 2, 9, what does it say? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Romans 1, 7 says, to all in Rome what are loved by God and called to be saints. Paul says you're called, you're loved by, if you're loved by God, a child of God, you're what called to be saints. Ephesians 1 says, to the saints of Ephesus. I don't say anywhere where Paul wrote, to the sinners of the children of God. Find it. It's nowhere in the Bible. Peter, Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Duke, or anybody else. None of them said it. Now, they'll talk about sin, and they'll talk about sinners, but they didn't say, you, yeah, I say, you blessed sinner, you. 